That last episode was trippy, but now we're going to rock and roll on to some cooking tips. Step one, use pink Himalayan sea salt. The pink has potassium in it, that's why it's pink sea salt, because sea salt has 60 plus trace minerals in it, and if you're using it in your cooking, it will taste better, literally well, and it tastes way better than iodized salt. And it's healthier for you. Step two, use high heat and low heat oil appropriately. So olive oil and um, olive oil is a great example of a low heat oil. It burns around 350 degrees. Examples of high heat oil are vegetable oil, canola oil, rapeseed oil, grape seed oil, and um, avocado oil, also coconut oil, are all high heat oils. Why you want to use high heat instead of low heat is because when you take a low heat oil and you heat it up, it starts breaking down that fat molecule, making it worse for you to digest. For instance, in olive oil, olive oil has good, healthy uh, brain food, which is omega-3 fatty acids. When you heat olive oil past its smoking point, 350, it breaks down, those O3s break down into O6 fatty acids, which is in what, which is what is in uh, pressed seed oil, like rapeseed and vegetable oil and canola oil. Those are all pressed seed oils filled with omega-6 fatty acids, which our brains do not like, and they clog up our cognitive ability. But if you just use rapeseed or sorry not rapeseed grapeseed or avocado oil or uh, coconut oil high heat usually your food will turn out better it will be tastier and you will feel better as well even if you're making something as simple as fried onions which aren't great for you in the first place but just using better oils will literally not have the crap food hit as hard it'll probably taste just as good if not better at least don't use avocado oil because that's just expensive. Sorry, not avocado. Don't use olive oil and heat it past its burning point because that's just expensive and then you have worse oil. By that point, just use canola oil if you're going to use high heat. Step number three. Dry off your meat before you sear it. If you have paper towels and you're okay with the like the few cents that it costs to produce them, dry off your paper, use your paper towels to dry off any meat before you sear it, and uh, you'll get a better sear. You should sear for about, man, 60 seconds on minimum on anything, just so you're aware. In order, when you flip it, you should be able to freely grab that steak, lift it up, and then put it back down, and it shouldn't have stuck. If it's sticking, you probably should just keep laying it so it can continue to build that crust. If you can make things crunchy in your cooking, that makes you salivate more, making your food wetter, which makes it taste better to you. On a small note, uh, Kit Kat has produced apple pie Kit Kats. And uh, those are fantastic. Do yourself a favor, take your 88 cents, uh, go get curbside to go and just get an apple pie Kit Kat because dang, that's, oh my gosh. We crushed them up, I put them on everything from cereal to desserts. It is beautiful. 
apple pie Kit Kats. People have a hard time buying the right pots. And unfortunately you shouldn't because it shouldn't be that much of a guessing game. I had one friend, he took out, oh my god, he took out a credit card loan that was three times the value of my car when I bought it used in order to buy pots and pans. It was absolutely insane. I thought it was a horrible decision. It was very multi-level media schemey. But they got him and he seemed happy and he still never cooked with them. I was I was amazed. It it blew me away on how you can flatter someone into fifteen thousand dollars worth of cookware. There was trips involved, but god damn. That was oh makes me makes me so queasy. But who knows? Maybe they'll have fun paying those off. Or default. Default on a loan for pots and pans. Don't do that. What you should do instead is buy stainless steel pots and pans. And then buy steel wool in order to clean those. That's it. Like Those are your two things that you need. That's what most kitchens use. That's what I use. And for those stingy like myself, you can usually find them. I found half of my cookware at uh, Goodwill. Like, there was, I have an Emerald Legacy uh, stainless steel 10-inch skillet. Oh my gosh, it's fantastic. That's like one of the most versatile things. You can throw them into the oven, you can high heat, you can low heat. Like, why have so many specific pans that you can't? And they look beautiful because you're cleaning them with steel wool. It's great. Let's break down the basics of cooking. So, this is salt, fat, heat, and acid. That is not the name of my book or my Netflix special, but it is of someone's. And it is kind of regarded as the simplest, most go-to way to cook anything. It is the, the cheat sheet that you can put on one of your hands. And literally, if you are eating something that doesn't taste real good, you're usually missing one of those components, if not two. So let's take, for example, you have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Not like, how's this? Make it with some white bread and it's not going to be bad, but it's not gonna be stellar. Like you're not gonna get that at a restaurant. So what are you going to do? You end up getting the skillet out, you add in some butter, you heat it up, and then you grill that bread on each side and like warms the jelly on the inside and oh, it's so great. Like that is one of the most beautiful things in the world is a grilled peanut butter and jelly sandwich on white bread. Yeah, that's, it's so great. Add bacon in the middle of it, charge you $9 for it, and welcome to a first world country. <laughs> so why does this work? So, um, your fat, where is this coming from? It's coming from your peanut butter, your acid, that's coming from your jelly, beautiful. Um, your um, heat, that's coming from your stove pan, which is heating the bread, and it's cooking the bread, creating a mullard reaction on top of that white bread. Um, you're also getting fat from your butter. Um, An acid, that's coming from your grape jelly or whatever jelly that you choose. Now, salt should be coming from all of your components. I've, all of them should be salted. There should be, you should be using salted butter. And I would even throw a pinch of salt on top of that as well. Uh, and uh, that's a great snack. That's fantastic. But salt, fat, heat, acid, Use that in a combo, see that in the fair, see that on most popular dishes, orange chicken, uh, yeah, 
it's it's all there and usually our favorites so if you're potentially lacking in flavor see if you can uh, squirt a lemon on it or maybe a spritz of apple cider vinegar or maybe a stick of butter or some cream cheese or sour cream something like that to add in some fat to your deal on a side note here if you want to try something really fun get vanilla ice cream get some olive oil throw that together and cinnamon on top and it is decadent also fig jam if you're ritzy since we're going down this route uh Quincy jam, which is like what the first um, jellies were supposedly made out of because it's the fruit with the highest pectin level in it. Uh, you can find that sometimes in the store, usually at like specialty markets like World Market. It is one of my favorite, favorite combinations to pair uh, Quincy jam with Manchego cheese, which is sheep cheese. I think it is a 10 out of 10 experience. Literally way better than tomato and basil. Kicks basil and tomatoes, but. Here's an unasked for rant about what I like and what I don't like in the food and beverage industry. Faux gras. I think it is delicious. I understand why it is mass produced. I also think it is extremely cruel and you should eat it once to be like, wow, we should fix this problem before we eat this again. <laughs> because it is very inhumane on how uh, geese are force-fed grain. But to be honest, I don't necessarily know that that's not how our chicken industry is, and uh, I am under the impression that history will look back at kind of our time in a similar manner that we look at uh, slavery back in the day um, of early American history. I think this is going to be our great sin to the earth, if you will. And uh, I don't say that for any guilt. I say that as in like, that's actually something that I hope to affect in my lifetime. I hope that through my uh, enjoyment of the food and beverage industry and my growth as an individual, I would be able to uh, help alter that in the right direction. That makes me very, very excited in this world. But I think we each have our own slice of heaven that we need to make prettier in this world. Other things, I think tomato and basil is overrated. I think it's good. I think it's overrated. I think when you added fig jam, that was cool five years ago, but like right now, I'm over that. Um, vegetarian meals. Most people shouldn't just take entrees and add more entree and then a portobello mushroom to a vegetarian dish. Uh, my go-tos are mushroom tarts with a red wine uh, and red onion jam on top of it. That is beautiful. Uh, some other good go-tos are portobello mushrooms roasted with hummus in them and cheese on top of that broiled on top with a roasted red pepper sauce. You still gotta get your portobello mushroom in, but it's actually loaded with something delicious inside of it. Bacon, I have no thoughts on. I think it is duly appreciated in America. I don't, it's like maybe, nah, it's better than all of my, the other country's breakfast hams that I've gone to, so yeah, it's appropriately rated. Mm. 
eggs at restaurant. Yeah, I think eggs at restaurants are, should be served because usually a fantastic restaurant egg that isn't burnt on the sides um, and is like runny in the center, like, or however you ordered it just perfectly, but not with any like unfortunate crispy bits and soft and fluffy and beautiful. It's just like that shiny, shiny white. Yeah, it costed them. 10 cents to charge you for that $2 egg, but like that guy had been practicing a while, like tons of eggs and to make that one for you. That's, that's pretty special. Garnishes, I think if you don't know how to garnish a plate, it's unfortunate because you eat with your eyes first, even if you're cooking for yourself or if you're cooking for someone that you care about, literally just taking the green thing on your plate this could literally be broccoli and just like shaving some of those broccoli uh, pieces off just onto a cutting board and then sprinkling that over your meat. It's going to elevate the look of the meat. Uh, and then when you're skilled and you're like used to doing this, you're using things like scallion or excuse me, green onion and chive, um, thyme, rosemary, stuff like that. Just like what else is already in the dish. You're just putting a little bit of that on top of whatever's like brown and red, which or white, which is a lot of our food and a lot of our sauces. Mm. Contrast it with the green stuff. I think if I was super rich, I would have just three flavors of ice cream in the freezer all the time. There'd be a variety. I would obviously keep something basic on hand so I could put whatever I'm cooking on top of it. So like a classic vanilla bean, maybe like I, if I found like a dark chocolate chip ice cream, I would just keep that as a, a go-to. I like funky ice creams. Austin had a good selection of funky ice cream. There was a llama ice cream and it was peanut butter and jelly ice cream. Oh man, I loved it. I loved it so much. Um, mint chocolate chip has this pretty much like, I really dislike eating milk chocolate. That's probably the most under or overrated thing that I know of right now in America, in our world. I, it, it was delicious back in the day, I understand, like, we didn't have it, but dark chocolate is so superior. It's healthier for you, it's actually taste like flavor. You can eat more of it because it doesn't taste like you have to just chug milk in order to get that sugar out of your mouth. Dark chocolate's the bomb anything that we can that I see with dark chocolate in it I know is instantly going to be better though I'll admit midnight Milky Ways still pretty much suck in comparison to Milky Ways which Milky Ways are definitely better than Snickers and Three Musketeers Three Musketeers like I'm glad you're there but man if you were made with dark chocolate I would love you but you'd kind of then be a, a Milky Way midnight you still kind of suck, so you need darker chocolate, or maybe you just shouldn't be around anywhere. Three Musketeers. <clears throat> I created a questionnaire recently, in which was, what's my favorite dessert? And, uh, man, it was so hard to choose after I made those questions. It was a galette, which is like a, kind of like a, an old-fashioned rustic pie crust uh, with stone fruit and the center of it that you saute up beforehand, like peaches or plums, 
something like that and that you then like fold over the top and then do a big old crystallized sugar and salt oh man bake that off and it's so fantastic with uh vanilla custard that was an option and that it, oh, it's so good another one which i was doing i found this dessert when i was catering for uh dirks bentley shook his hand <laughs> um no that wasn't right it wasn't dirks bentley i did shake dirks bentley but this dessert came from the carrie underwood concert not uh my contract but i was able to help the caterer and in their desserts they ended up doing big old thick chunked brownies in a martini glass with a homemade whipped Kahlua whipped cream on top of it. God. Star of the show. And of course, you know, some raspberry vanilla for garnish contrast. This was the actual answer, but it was a vanilla pot de creme. Actually, no, a plain pot de creme, which is like a creme brulee, but it has twice the amount of egg yolks in it. And you don't torch the top with apple pie Kit Kats and sauteed apples. We made this, Scotty and I made this for a dinner last week. It was for the Legacies. If you're still trekking on this entire monologue. And uh, it was incredible. It was the perfect dessert. It was crunchy, it was unique, it was flavorful, it was novel, it was creamy. Oh, it hit on so many levels. Duck's my favorite meat that I've tried so far. You also buy duck when it's a relatively older bird rather than a younger bird, and that makes me happy and usually makes the duck taste better. And even in places like Walmart, uh, over Thanksgiving you can get like wild duck for about two fifty a pound, which is really cheap. Uh, you can usually get it at specialty stores for $5 a pound. I love breaking down uh, animals, I think, especially birds. It's a very, very comforting, very beautiful process to do so. I was cooking Scotty her birthday dinner, and her second course was duck breast with a thyme grapefruit cream sauce on top of it. And that turned out so bad, it was awful. Uh, which was fine because I just didn't put it on our meat. And that was definitely the right attempt to, to dip, just to toss a bad, a bad flavor. And uh, <clears throat> it was served with uh, potato, uh, sweet potato pancakes. So we just microwaved a sweet potato for two minutes, flipped it, microwaved it for another three, then mashed it with a couple eggs and made pancakes out of it and they were fantastic. That sweet savory of the duck was great. Oh, I have some duck fat in my fridge right now too. Should eat that up before it goes bad. Having that go bad would be a sin. Yup. <laughs> what I want to do in the future of food. As I mentioned previously, I would love to be part of a solution that helps with the mass production of um, animals. I think it's fine for us to eat animals. I think it's fine for us to mass produce them. I think that the healthier we 
treat the animals, the better it will be for the people consuming the animals. But I am very, I marvel at the Homo sapiens ability to mass produce animals for so cheap. It is absolutely incredible that I got chicken breast for $2 a pound. That's nuts, I find. Technology I've been amazed with uh, as of recently. Air fryers. Not something I've done before, but I think that they would make frozen food extremely delicious. And I'm pretty trashy like that. I really enjoy like my pizza rolls and Hot Pockets and not hot box actually not pizza rolls either that's a total lie i will say like some frozen fries uh popcorn chicken um pot pies can you throw a pot pie in an air fryer i feel like that would be delicious can you fry frozen dough in it man dad i know you have an air fryer <laughs> you do that get a sarah lee pot pie throw it in there you let me know Good idea, bad idea. <laughs> uh, here's some personal stories. Mike, I remember the first time I think I took a shot with you. I was 14, and it was, of course, of Ezra Brooks. And we were making bacon in the air fryer. And I think we were also making tacos on the stove. And it was one of the most magical nights I ever remember. Mm, it was great. Best bacon ever. I made bacon a few other times on the George Foreman just so I can help relive that memory. Bethany, my sister, the uh, most memorable meal I've had with you was when I was ooh, seven years old, I would say, maybe younger, maybe six. You took me out and we got uh, swordfish at PetSmart, uh, little tiny ones um, where their uh, tails look like swords, not their noses not like the actual sharks. And uh, you took me to Burger King and I got to order as many chicken nuggets as I wanted. And that was, that blew my mind that that was even an option for me to do. <clears throat> that was so great. That was so fantastic. Uh, Dad, I want to cook you a meal that showcases what my current ability is. Right now you've had my ramen, which I'm pretty pretty damn proud of my ramen. So that'd probably be it right now. Or usually my favorite things to serve people is have them change the way they currently, or they previously perceived food. I gotta get water, my throat's too scratchy. Fam, I tried to make it to 95 minutes, but that just didn't happen. So I'll hit you on the flip side and thank you for listening this far. Please give me any feedback. I obviously talked a lot, and if you listened, I hope you enjoyed it and would love to hear from you. Love everyone.